here's what I want to do this morning. I, I want you to grab your Bible. I want you to open to Psalm 62. And I've got more of a meditation to share this morning. It's not going to be super long, but I think it'll be really encouraging. And it, and it sticks with this theme of what does it look like to be a praying church? And I can summarize everything that I want to tell you this morning in one sentence. And I want you to think about this sentence with me. It goes like this. Sometimes the most important prayers can only begin when we stop talking. Will you just think about that with me for just a minute? Sometimes the most important prayers can only begin when we stop talking. It makes sense, doesn't it? If prayer is about communing with the living God, coming into his presence to seek him and to know him, then sometimes my words need to end in order for the true prayer to begin. I'm speaking, of course, about the critical role of silence in prayer. I don't know how much you've thought about this, but silence is such an important aspect of prayer there you are, you're praying. The words have all been said, or perhaps the words never come. You don't know, quite know what to pray and you just sit in God's presence. That can often be the moment when the actual communing with God begins. When was the last time you went behind closed doors, you postured yourself for prayer and you intentionally made the decision to sit in God's presence and not talk and just quiet your soul. This is extremely challenging. We are not good at this. We are not practiced at this. Nothing in our culture encourages us to try this or do this. I love the way Dallard Willard, uh, Dallas Willard once described it. He said, many people have never experienced Silence. In fact, many people do not even know that they do not know what silence is. I love that. He's like, it's not just that we haven't experienced silence. A lot of people don't even know that they don't know what silence is. Think about your daily routine and how you're constantly surrounded by things that make noise. Beeping and buzzing and humming and, I mean, phones and computers and refrigerators. The only time we ever get a moment of silence is when the power goes out. Yesterday morning, our power went out at seven in the morning. And, and immediately, even when the power went out, I could immediately hear the generator at my neighbor's house. I didn't even get silence then. And so we're just, we're so unaccustomed to this. And I love what Dallas Willard said. He talks about how, you know, oddly noise comforts us, but it's not a good kind of comfort. He said, we, we find complete silence shocking because it leaves the impression that nothing is happening. Silence makes us feel like, well, maybe nothing's happening. But here's what I want to argue this morning. What if it's actually just the opposite? What if all the noise, what if all my talking actually perpetuates the delusion that things are happening? And what if it were the case that it's actually only in the moment of silence 
that I became aware of how much God is doing in my life and in my world. But see, that's what Psalm 62 is about. And so we look at it with me. I just wanna read the first eight verses of this beautiful Psalm and then just share a couple of encouragements for you this morning. Here's what David wrote, Psalm 62. He said, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You know, Psalm 62 is a psalm for people under stress. It's a psalm that expresses trust and confidence in God's protection. When the circumstances of your life feel overwhelming and you don't know what to pray, you could always open to Psalm 62 and pour out your heart to God. When you find that you're facing a crisis, when you find that you have enemies or an adversary, any of you have adversaries right now in your life? I remember when I was a young man, uh, like a senior in high school, and I was having a conversation with my youth pastor. And I remember saying to him, uh, Eric, I don't, I don't really relate to so many of the Psalms because David always talks about enemies and I just don't feel like I have any enemies. And I remember my youth pastor saying to me, give it time, you're young. You know, wait, wait a little longer, you'll have enemies. Wait till there's a global pandemic and you shepherd a church through a pandemic, you'll find you've got some adversaries. Boy, isn't that true? And you know, David was facing a crisis. He had real enemies, people who wanted to wipe him out. Most commentators believe that this Psalm grew out of a, a painful experience that David had where his own son, Absalom, rose up against David and tried to take over the throne by force. And King David was forced to flee for his life. And out of that experience, he wrote Psalm 62, where he pours out his heart in confident trust in God's protection. But here's the question, where did David get so much trust? You see, I'm gonna argue that it came to him in moments of silence in God's presence. Can I show you a couple things about this Psalm that are really interesting? There's two features that, are, that you should notice. Number one, notice the repetition of the phrase, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. It's right there in verse one, and then you see it again repeated in verse five with a very interesting difference I'll, I'll talk about in a moment. But, but notice the language there. David is talking about 
something I want to call soul silence. It's not just the absence of words. That's one form of silence. But it's, it's, it's that posture of your soul before God. You've shared everything you can share. You've poured out your heart. And now the issue rests with God. And you quiet your soul in his presence. River West, this is extremely profound. And sadly, we very rarely practice this. I think that we use words in our lives to try to keep control for ourselves. And I think what this, what this Psalm is showing us is there's a direct relationship between silence before God and trust in God. I remember when I was early on in the ministry, I had a mentor who, who really helped me think about some of the spiritual practices. And one of those spiritual practices that I, that I worked on was the practice of fasting. And I remember this mentor saying, you know, most of the time fasting is from food, but you might come to moments in your life where you realize God's leading you to fast from other things that you depend on. And this mentor one time I remember said to me, hey, Adam, why don't you try fasting from words? I, I tried not to take that personally, but this mentor said, I think it'd be interesting for you to take a day and fast from talking and learn to discover how often you use words to maintain control of your circumstances. Richard Foster wrote about this. He once wrote, one reason we can hardly bear to remain silent is that it makes us feel so helpless. We are so accustomed to relying upon words to manage and control others. Isn't that true? Think how much of the time we use our words to manage and control people. If we are silent, who will take control? God will take control but we will never let him take control until we trust him. Silence is intimately related to trust. I love that. Think how true that is. Silence is intimately related to trust. And that's why David in this Psalm repeats twice, be, be silent, my soul. But here's one other thing I want you to notice. Did you notice at the end of verse six, and at the end of verse eight, there is this odd little word. It's a Hebrew word. It's the word selah. Do you see it there? That word is in the original Hebrew text. So it's part of the original inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that word is a musical instruction that tells the congregation, congregation to pause for a moment, stop talking, Cease with words and reflect and be still. It's basically a word that says, be silent for a moment. And that word breaks the psalm up. You can see it breaks the psalm into three pieces. So not only is David telling his soul to be silent, the song itself encourages moments where you stop and you reflect and you quiet your soul before the Lord. And what I want to suggest this morning, just for a few moments here, is that there were three things that happened to David 
in the silence. I'm gonna put these up for a moment so you can see these. There were three things that he experienced in silence. Number one, he experienced deep emotion. Number two, David experienced a flood of hope. And then finally, number three, David experienced a new perspective and specifically God's perspective. So I just wanna take a moment with each of these. And then as I get to the end of this meditation, I'm gonna gonna have you practice some of this stuff. But the very first thing that David experienced was deep emotion. Look Look at verses three and four. Here's what I think is happening. Silence gave David the space that he needed to address what was really going on in his heart. That's what happens sometimes in the silence. I mean, just look at the emotional language in verses three and four. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. You can feel the raw emotion in those verses. David is fragile. David feels broken. This isn't just David recording the circumstances of his life. This is David connecting with how he felt about those circumstances. And folks, here's the thing. I think this is why so many people avoid silence at all costs. Because we know that moment we actually slow down and sit in silence, we're gonna be confronted with all the full force of all the emotions that are going on in our heart. And some of us wanna avoid that at all costs. This is why we go 100 miles an hour. This is why we can't slow down. This is why we can't set down our phones. We tell ourselves that we're important. We tell ourselves we're busy. We hustle and hustle and hustle. But what if what we're actually doing is running away from our own hearts? Because we know there's that moment when you finally stop and here's what happens. All of those emotions, they've been frantically trying to catch up to you, to keep up with you. And then finally they they hit you with full force. It's like a shadow that's been chasing you and you're running from it. And you know, if I stop and I quiet my soul, I'm gonna have to confront all of these things that I've been feeling in my life. And the problem is when we don't slow down and sit before God in silence, we miss out on God's power to transform us and heal us and help us understand what's going on. Look at, look at some of the emotions that David felt. Uh, what do you see there in verses three? I, I see, number one, I see desperation. Do you see that? Verse three, how long will you attack a man? I feel like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, vulnerability. I think David felt super vulnerable even indignation. Look at verse four. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. I think David wasn't just angry. I think David felt the injustice of what he was going through. All of those emotions hit and David stopped 
And he said, I need to think this. I need to feel these emotions. How about you? Now look, I am not suggesting that every emotion that we feel is valid. In fact, sometimes the strongest emotions I feel are irrational and they're even sinful. So sometimes God will validate my emotions and sometimes he'll ask me to repent of them. It's time to let go of those things. But the point is, I can only hear from God if I quiet myself in his presence. And then look what happens right at the end of verse four, there's this Selah, a pause, silence. David has time to reflect and think. And what happens? What's the result of that silent pause? Well, what I wanna show you is that David has a breakthrough. Let's look at it. Look at verses five and six. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. It's basically a repeat of verses one and two, except there's a couple critical differences and I want you to notice them. First of all, did you notice that in verse five, David addresses his soul. In fact, he even commands his soul. He commands his soul, soul, wait in silence. And then in verse two, David says, um, or in verse uh, verse uh, five, David says, verse six, he says, I shall not be shaken. That's a little bit different than verse two, where David had said, I shall not be greatly shaken. Now he's not gonna be shaken at all. It's as if trust has built in David's heart. But the big difference happens right there in the second phrase of verse five, where salvation becomes hope. This is the second thing that happened to David in the silence, a flood of hope. The silence afforded David the opportunity to focus his heart on concrete truths about God's character. And as he focused on who God is, that God was his rock, God was his fortress, he became flooded with hope. So I, I, want, I want you to hear what I'm about, about to say, church. The purpose of Christian silence is not to become more sensitive to myself. That's, that's mysticism. That's secular mindfulness. That, that, that's, that's not gonna help you. The purpose of Christian silence is to focus my heart on concrete truths about who God is, his character, a foundation that I can build my life on. You and I do need to turn down the noise in our lives, but the purpose is not to go deeper within. The deeper you go within, the more hopeless you're gonna become. But the deeper you go up, well, now you're gonna see hope flood into your life as you build your reality on the solid foundation of who God is. Martin Lloyd-Jones once suggested that so much of the unhappiness in our lives is due to the fact that we are listening to ourselves 
instead of talking to ourselves. Isn't that interesting? He said, we're constantly listening to ourselves, but we're not taking control and talking to ourselves. He went on to say in that, in that, same, that same book that we, we go along with so many of the thoughts that just pop up into our head, right? When you wake up, what are the, what are the thoughts that flood in? Do you become enslaved to those thoughts? Or do you take control, open your Bible, focus on what God's word says about who God is and preach to your heart, sometimes even preaching against the very thoughts that have flooded in to lie to you about things that are not true in your life. And so the, the, the more we build our lives on concrete truths about who God is, we're gonna see hope flood into our lives. But here's the thing, River West, you're never gonna stumble accidentally into an experience of silence. It's not gonna happen on accident. You're gonna have to begin to choose silence. You're gonna have to learn how to practice this. And in just a moment, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask you to try it today. But before we do that, I wanna share one last thing that David experienced. Um, it's where I left off reading. The last thing that David experienced was a different perspective. He was allowed to see God's perspective on his life and his circumstances. Let me just read to you the last four verses of this Psalm. They're really beautiful. Here's what David says next. Verse nine, those of low estate are but a breath those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. I don't know if you see what David's doing there. He's basically saying people of low estate, people of high estate, there's no difference. They're both basically weightless. He, it's this vivid word picture of a scale. And he puts people of low estate and people of high estate in one side of the scale. And they're of such insignificance that the scale just pops up. We are such nothingness, regardless of our life circumstances, that whatever's on the other side, we just go up. But then... Notice what David says next. He, he turns to the word of God in verse 11. He says, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love for you will render to a man according to his work. I love this. David's basically saying, silence is only the absence of my words not God's words. In fact, sometimes I can hear God speaking so loudly through his word when I actually close my mouth and quiet my soul. And here's what God says. God says, I'm a God of power, verse 11. And God says, I'm a God of steadfast love, power and love. And folks, let me tell you something when you can hear God speak those words over your circumstances, you can face anything. God loves you. 
He loves you so deeply today and God is powerful. He's powerful to intervene. He's powerful to superintend over everything you're going through. He sees you, he loves you, he cares for you. And sometimes we need to hear that by sitting before him and quieting our souls. And so I wanna pray for you this morning and then I'm gonna give you one practical thing I want you to try. So will you bow your heads with me and let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you so much for Psalm 62, for what it says, for what it teaches, for what it reminds us. We're so grateful to have someone like David who experienced so many of the things that we go through in our lives. And then by your grace and by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, he recorded all of these beautiful prayers that we can turn to when we don't know what to say, including Lord, a prayer about silence. And so Father, thank you, Lord. How I pray for River West Church that we would grow as a praying church and we would even grow as a church that knows how to quiet our souls and sit before you, Lord, and listen. And so we have an opportunity today with a winter storm here. So many in our church will have an opportunity to pray today, to turn off the devices and come into your presence, Lord. How I ask that your Holy Spirit might guide that, Lord. We love you, we trust you. We're excited, Lord, to be back together next Sunday. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name, amen.